0: Him have complete control, man. That's what we want to do today. Just surrender our all, man. We're just gonna spend some time in worship, give Him some praise and glory, amen. Let's sing this song together. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus.
1: What a lovely name, the name of. star star, and let the song they sing in heaven let the saints proclaim oh what a lovely day oh
2: soon
1: you come in clouds of glory of every ray, where well, shall behold his man, oh, and with them will enter heaven's city, ever Heaven to appear. Oh, it's sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven Oh, let the saints complain Oh, what a lovely name What a lovely name Oh, and what, what a lovely name The name of Jesus Oh, than the brightest time. Oh, it's sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. And let the saints proclaim. Come on, proclaim it now. Oh, what a lovely day. Sing it again. Oh, yes, oh, what oh, a lovely day. Oh, Jesus, that's right, reaching high and far. Oh, then the brightest star. Oh, yes, well, it's so sweeter than the song they sing in heaven. Oh, let the same. Just any day, and just any day now, and our Lord is coming, He'll be returning. Oh, you and me, see, I've been watching, oh, and I've been. Just any day now, Hallelujah, is yes, Jesus. Just any day now, our Lord is coming. Oh, he returning. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Oh, and I've been watching. I've been waiting Just any day now His face I'll see Amen. Could you praise him with your hands this morning? (laughs) Hallelujah.
0: (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's bring it up another notch here. I'm a new creation. I'd like to try that in a higher key. I feel like it's a little bit low. to yeah.
1: I'm a new creation I'm a brand new man old things are passed away I've been born again oh yes more than a conqueror see that's what I am I'm a new Oh yes, I'm a brand new man Well, hallelujah, He redeemed me Oh now, I've been born again to win, And now I thank God Justified me, and of his fullness have we all received a Well, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man. All oh, things are passed away, I've been born again. Born And a conqueror That's what I am I'm a new creation Oh yes I'm a brand new man Sing it again now I'm a new creation I'm a brand new man All things are passed away I've been born Yeah more oh, than a conqueror That's what I am I'm a new creation Oh yes I'm a brand new man Well I'm so glad That Jesus set me free Well I'm so glad Oh, Jesus set me free, I'm so glad, Jesus set me free, I'm singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus set me free, well now Satan had me bound, Jesus set me free, well Satan had me bound, oh but Jesus set me free, Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. I'm singing glory, hallelujah Jesus set me free I'm on my way to heaven Shouting victory On my way to heaven Oh, shouting victory Well, I'm on my way to heaven Shouting victory I'm singing glory, hallelujah Jesus set me free Well, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Oh yes, I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. I'm singing glory hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Well, Satan had me bound. Oh, Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. Now, but Jesus set me free. Satan had but Jesus set me free Singing glory, hallelujah Jesus set me free Well, I'm so bad. Well, I'm so bad. Well, I'm so glad Jesus set me free I'm singing glory, hallelujah Jesus set me free well, every praise is to our God, every word of worship, the one of God. Every praise, every praise, you know it's to our God. Sing hallelujah, glory hallelujah. Oh, every praise, every praise, you know it's to our God. Every praise. And every praise is to our God, every word of worship. Oh, every praise, every praise, you know it's to our God. Sing hallelujah, church, glory, hallelujah. Every praise, every praise, you know it's to. Are God God my Savior God my Savior God my Healer God my Deliverer Yes He is Yes He is God my Savior God my Healer God my Deliverer Every word of worship Oh, every praise Every praise You know it's to our God Sing hallelujah Glory, hallelujah Oh, every praise, church Every praise You know it's to our God God, my Savior God, my Healer God, my Deliverer Yes, He is Yes, He is God, my Savior God, my Healer God, my Deliverer Yes, He is Yes, he is. Give him praise now. Hallelujah.
0: Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Every praise belongs to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's change the order of our service at this time. We'll just sing a song here to enter a mode of worship. Amen. Isn't that wonderful, that feeling of, of peace that comes over your soul when you praise your Savior? I love that. There's nothing like that that satisfies in this world, amen, but the peace that passes understanding, amen, It only comes from God. Amen. if you feel that in your heart, that's a blessed thing, amen. More of you. Let's sing that song together.
1: More of you.
0: Special needs to the Lord at this time, and we have several needs to be mindful of. And uh, we just want to remember uh, Sister Julia Clayville this morning; she is not feeling well. Um, there's uh, Sister Karen Buchanan also is sick, along with Mitchell and Sister Shirley. So, if you would remember them in your prayers, <clears throat> I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Keep Sister Tracy Eisenhower in your prayers as well. She is recovering from her surgery and uh, still has some hurdles to clear, so if we would just be mindful of her need. Uh, Brother Jonathan Mayle was not able to be with us today. He had to work, so if you'd pray for him as well. And uh, keep Brother Ben Pritchard and Brother Jeff Jackson in your prayers. They are uh, fighting a fire at this time. Uh, and we certainly appreciate their service you know, to the community and uh, we just pray that God's blessings would be with them and keep them safe and uh, so we'll keep those needs in prayer there are other needs Brother Barry will bring before the church some things that he has to mention so we'll be mindful of those as well if you have unspoken prayer requests by uplifted hands God knows the needs on your heart I'm going to ask Brother Andy Irish if he would come forward to take the need that we have
2: here to the Lord. Hallelujah.
3: Lovely Lord Jesus, we bow our heads this morning in the beauty of holiness, because we believe that you're here, Father, and it's beautiful and it's holy you are here Lord we come and we ask for forgiveness for anything we've done wrong Father if we've grieved you in any way Father we ask and lay our hands by faith upon that sacrifice and identify with it and ask for forgiveness and that you would cover us and cleanse us in your blood Lord and we approach you this morning Father And you've heard all these prayer requests, Lord Jesus. You've seen those hands that went up. And you know each heart behind every hand, Father. And you know each heart that wrote every one of these prayer requests, Lord. And we bind our prayers together and we bind our faith together as a body. And we would ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come in a supernatural way and intervene in every situation, Lord Jesus. Lord, there may be some that are bound by a taskmaster of circumstance, maybe of of sickness or disease, whatever it is, Lord Jesus. May today be that jubilee year for them, Lord, that they could go free from that, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we sang more of you. And today, Father, I raise my hand and I ask that I would receive more of you. But Lord, first, empty more of me out to put more of you in. We ask, Lord, that you would just take a hold of this service. Take a hold of the man who would stand behind this sacred desk and minister your word, Lord. And Father, if you don't want him to use your his notes, so be it. But Lord, let it be your very mind, Father. And Lord, let us catch it. Let us manifest it. Father, we would ask that the veil of the Holy Spirit would just drop around this building and to those that are listening on the internet, and you would commune with us. We commit it all into your most capable hands, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Brother Andy. You can have your seat. There's a few specials we have this morning. Um, There is a song special from sister jane lunch if she would uh be making her way forward at this time
4: Sometimes a song comes along that just grips your heart, and that's what this one did for me. It's, it's I just I am so blessed by this song. Amen. Only one spoke countless stars ablaze. <clears throat> Only one could breathe life into clay. Only one can quiet raging seas. Only one has power to redeem. All the praise goes to Jesus. All the praise to him alone. Left heaven for a cross. Only one knows every pain and loss, only one could die my soul to save. Only one the name above all names. All the praise goes to Jesus. the praise to him alone. All the glory and honor forevermore. All the praise to him alone. All the praise to him alone. Only one could crush the curse of sin Only one was raised to life again Only one is king of every king Only one is coming back for me Sing it with me All the praise goes to Jesus the
0: Jane that's a beautiful song and we certainly appreciate that amen isn't God good we have another special for you this morning brother Cade Heffernan Um, if you make his way forward at this time we'll make room for his song special as well amen
5: Never tried singing this one, but I like the song, so I'm going to try it. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. No, my God, oh, it'll never fail. No, my God, oh, it'll never fail. So I'm gonna see a victory. This power in the mighty name of Jesus Every war he wages he will win So I'm not backing down from any giant Because I know how this story ends Oh yes I know how story ends. so I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord and I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good guess you turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good, you turn it for good Oh yes, you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good, you turn it for good So I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory, and I'm gonna see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord.
0: Song. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Fill fill in my heart that it's time to bring the word forth. Amen. I think enough's been said. Hallelujah. Let's stand and we'll have our deacons come forward. Amen. Hallelujah. As our pastor makes his way forward, we'll sing that song. There is none like you. Let's just worship Him with all of our heart.
1: There is none like You. Oh, no one else can touch my heart like You. I can search for all. my heart like you do
6: we're going to have one more special this morning, and on this special, we're going to sing together uh, the chorus of Brother Keith here this morning. So you may be seated if you, uh, that'll be all right. <clears throat> this is a pretty well-known song, I Found It All. I want you, I think we had the words up here, yeah, and uh, so we want you to sing along on the chorus here together.
7: I thought it might be in my name, a shining legacy. I thought it might be in a goal for success to follow me. I thought it might be in a plan to sail across the sea. But I didn't find what I really need. I found it all When I lost everything And gave my life To serve a risen King I found the truth That I'd been searching for I found it all When I found the Lord I think are best for me I'm laying down all my ideas of what I think my life should be I'm leaving everything I am right at Jesus' feet for it's here I find everything I need and I found it all I lost everything and gave my life to serve a risen King. I found the truth that I've been searching for. I found it all when I found the Lord.
6: You this morning, now just to focus your thoughts just for a moment here because we want to go to prayer uh, together. As you know, on Friday, Brother Johnny Reynolds was uh, put in the hospital and uh, <clears throat> he was uh, going through some preparatory uh, procedures. Uh, and one of, one of those procedures was a heart cath, and uh, everything was all set. I was speaking to Brother Johnny yesterday, I was speaking to him this morning. And uh, just a couple of minutes ago, they discovered, and he told me he had some pressure and some uh, discomfort uh, this morning when he woke up. And, uh, but uh, just a couple of moments ago, they took him into emergency surgery because he was bleeding internally uh, at the site where they had gone in for the heart cath. And they, that's called a hematoma. And uh, he's gone in. Uh, now for surgery, Brother Jonathan Male is there on call this weekend, so he's uh, uh, around and he was speaking to Brother Johnny just a couple of moments ago. He said that uh, Brother Johnny looked worn out because of what they have to do when uh, they have a, a leakage like that, and so uh, he said, but otherwise he was in good spirits, and good shape. But uh, this is a little bit of a complication that uh, now makes it a little bit uh, trickier going into the procedure tomorrow and he has uh, an ascending aortic uh, aneurysm repair which is what he has to do tomorrow and that's a major uh, major surgery for sure and so uh, sister doris uh, is on her way she was going to be with us this morning but she's on her way to the hospital Uh, brother jeremy just left to pick up sister julia even though sister julia is not well uh, he left here a few moments ago to pick her up and they're going to go on over. Sister Becky and I are going to be going over after, uh, the service this morning. So, uh, I told sister Doris, I said, uh, you know, <clears throat> I said the, the reality is that, uh, brother Johnny put his heart, his heart and his life into God's hands a long time ago. As Far as I know, he never took them out. He never took his heart out of God's hands. Never took his life out of God's hands. So I believe that that's the safest place. That's the best place a believer can be is in the hands of God and in the presence of God. And uh, so uh, it is our lot now, uh, we who are strong, uh, to pray for Brother Johnny today today and tomorrow. And uh, just ask that the Lord will undertake for him and uh, just be present uh, in that uh, operating theater right now. And then also tomorrow uh, as well. So let's uh, go to prayer. Sister Becky, if you'd just play. And uh, <clears throat> let's bind our hearts together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, as a congregation, now, as a body of believers that are gathered together, Lord. But we're missing one person today. We're missing Brother Johnny. And Lord, he is in that operating theater at the moment, Lord. And the doctors are probably preparing, Lord, to uh, take care of that complication that he has and lord jesus we're so thankful that we have the medical expertise that surrounds him today and and lord it'd be a different story if we didn't have it we're thankful that brother jonathan mail is right there lord and sister uh, doris and sister julie and brother jeremy lord on their way and father we know that brother johnny is surrounded by angels and your presence because you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us lord therefore we believe lord that you're always present and i believe lord that the very very best place the very safest place on earth a believer can be is right in the will of god and right in the presence of god and and i ask now lord jesus that you'd come on the scene lord and minister to our brother johnny lord to help him where he is oh god i pray that you would bind up those wounds and And Lord, if it's your will that he goes through this procedure tomorrow, that... Your Holy Spirit would be present in a great way, Lord, just to uh, wrap your arms around him, Lord, and just carry him through all of these difficulties. And, Father, may he overcome, may he have success, Lord. Father, we're placing him into your hands. And we're not here to tell you what to do, but, Lord, we're just obeying that promise that you have uh, made to us, Lord. We're obeying that commission that you've given to us. If any are weak or sickly, Lord, that we should pray together as a body. And we're doing that today, Lord. And Father, we laid hands on him on Wednesday night and committed him into your care. Lord, I believe that he's still right there. Now, in the name of Jesus, may the enemy move back. And may, Lord, you just move in on the scene, I pray, and take complete control. Take away any fear, any any doubt, Lord. And I ask, oh God, that you would just be in complete control of that situation. We commit, Brother Johnny, to you, Lord, now, believing that you are a great physician that we can turn to. And you're, Lord, you're the one who told us to cast our cares upon you because you do indeed care for us. We commit them to you in Jesus' wonderful name. Bless Sister Doris, Lord, we pray. And Lord, in her anguish and Lord, her, uh, just her state of mind, we just ask, oh God, that you would be real to her now and just be the prince of peace for her today, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask all of these things. praise the lord you may be seated just for a moment here we let our musicians take your places here today and uh, um we appreciate uh all of you being here today appreciate the specials today how many enjoyed those specials they were special that's for sure we appreciate it very much uh but jason good to have you back uh today didn't want to forget that and uh we also are glad to have the davises with us from texas god bless you great to have you here today Uh, Just a couple of uh, points here before we uh, get into the word this morning, and I wanted to um, deal with this. Uh, Jaron, if you don't mind, my clicker is, my gray clicker is on my desk. If you'd bring that out to me, that'd be great. Um, We also want to remember uh, brother or sister Jennifer Cockman's uh, grandmother, and she's 95 years old. Uh, Very often, uh, the girls, Lori and and Arwen, take turns on Sundays in helping her. Uh, She had a stroke on this a couple of days ago, and she's not doing very well. And Brother John asked me if we would remember the family in prayer. We've also been asked to remember uh, Bruce Lomas, who's uh, the father of a student that Sister Becky has. And uh, thank you, Jaron. And uh, we've been asked to remember him in prayer for his condition Uh, in australia if you don't mind sister frida is not here today sister frida is still having trouble with the spot she has on her left eye after the stroke she had in her eye i didn't even know that was a a thing but it is a real thing that uh she had the stroke and she has a spot it's still there they're testing her for uh other things as well and that's ongoing so if you don't mind we'd uh, sure want to remember her in prayer also as well, uh, Brother Mac Cross is not here today. He's uh, still not feeling well and the family. is not here. Um, Brother and Sister Smith asked to be remembered in prayer. Brother Aaron Nengamaza uh, and his family are in Virginia ministering there. And also Sister Sharon McCafferty is not here today. He's not feeling well. Uh, so we want to remember all those things. Today is the day that God graced this world with Sister Grace. So, Sister Grace, God bless you. Uh, Happy birthday today. And uh, I won't ask how old you are. But Elowen and Rowan uh, Cockman also are um, celebrating a birthday today as well. January 24th, uh, Sister Lydia Clayville's birthday. And then to the 25th, is brother Jonathan's birthday. And then Sister Chanel's birthday on the 27th. Sister Chanel, God bless you. Uh, you're the one who kind of pulls together the calendar. You could take your name up, but I'm glad you didn't. And we are, uh, we are honored to have you uh, with us. And uh, may God give you a wonderful day on the 27th. These are some of the events that are coming up here. And uh, sorry for the clutter, uh, but I just wanted to uh, make these available to you. We're having a brisk sign-up for the. Uh, marriage banquet and you need to do that you can't uh don't assume that uh, we'll have an uh, uh, you know uh, an open-ended thing uh we have a limited amount of people that we can put in the in the fellowship hall and uh, have a wonderful uh, agenda and a wonderful uh, uh program and meal for everybody this year so if you're engaged if you're married if you're widowed uh doesn't matter it's for married couples uh, you're certainly welcome uh, to come on and be there. So next Sunday will be the Sunday when we'll have a uh, an evening service at 4 o'clock. So what we were going to do, Sister Becky and I, was uh, we'll have one of those uh, Sundays at the Fellowship Hall where you bring your own, do your own thing, and uh, have dinner there. So we'd certainly invite everybody to come and participate in that uh, next Sunday. That'll be just, uh, that'll be just wonderful. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to mention here, and I didn't get a chance to do this visually or graphically, but um, I just wanted to share with you that um, you know a number of years ago, Brother George Smith took the Church Age book and redesigned it. Everybody probably has seen that. There's some in the library back here. And it's easier to read. He did things a little bit more graphically. And it's laid out properly with proper chapter headings and so forth. The scriptures are uh, uh, identified pretty clearly. And it's a real nice redo of the church age book. And we've printed that that's available. It's been printed in many languages around the world. Well, Brother George has also done it for the English seals book. And so there's a redesign now for the Seals book. And we have printed it already in Spanish. And they are being distributed as we speak in in the whole region of South America. People are really loving the new design. And uh, we have several thousand here in the United States for the Spanish believers. But we also have uh, books arriving in Mexico, in Honduras, in Colombia, in Chile. And uh, so they're all all on the move uh, right at the moment. And with those books as well, there's about a half million sermons, individual sermons, that are accompanying those uh, SEALs books. So the people in South America are quite uh, excited about all the materials they're receiving. But we are going to do an English reprinting of the SEALs book for the whole world. And uh, that's a big project. And we are uh, just letting you know, and we're going to do a little uh, flyer or brochure or something pretty soon, and we're going to be able to just show you. But we have many countries in the world, obviously, that speak English and read English books, and uh, we want to be able to print at once and get those books all over the world. And that's going to be, obviously, a big undertaking, and uh, we're, uh, we're excited about that, and uh, we want you to be a part of it. And... Uh, Like Brother John LaFontaine used to say it this way when it came to to offerings is, the good news, he said, is that we have all the money. The bad news is is that it's still in your pockets. (laughs) That's what he used to say. So uh, uh, we're asking you just to pray about that and and be a part of that because uh, that'll be an exciting thing and a blessing. And we'll have some printed for us here uh, in the assembly, and we will... Uh, we will be uh, spreading those in multiple countries around the world. So, I want to uh, also, too, recognize an individual. I I think I remember his name over here, Brother Daniel. Put your hand up and wave it here all the way back from Ghana. God bless you, Brother Daniel. Great to have you back uh, again with us. We missed you and uh, miss your mom for sure. And uh, good to have you here uh, your brother got married successfully. Wonderful. You've got to wonder who's next. And uh, we appreciate you being here today. Brother Tim, uh, Sister Julia, good to have you here today, and may God bless you. We discovered that Sister Julia loves, uh, so, sorry, Sister Joanna loves cornbread. She's a southerner at heart. We discovered that. So uh, that makes her one of us for sure. We are uh, glad to have them with us today, and Brother uh, Tim is doing better each day, and we're thankful for that and uh, getting stronger. So good to have uh, them with us today. Well, let's stand to our feet if you don't mind, and I'm going to ask you to look in two places in the Scripture, and uh, I have my phone here, so uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to follow Brother Johnny's progress here as we go through the service and. Uh, I want to read in two places in the scripture if you don't mind. The first one is in Romans chapter 16. We'll read there. Romans the 16th chapter. Now, I've got a couple of I got a couple of scripture verses and and, and that I'll, I'm going to reference this morning. So keep your Bible handy. But I have a a story in scripture that is perhaps one of the most troubling stories in the whole Bible. And I've never preached on it before. I've never uh, spoken on it specifically. And I want to deal with that this morning. And we're we're in our series here on the glorious church, The Bride Made Ready. And we want to focus this morning on the subject of obedience. And uh, I want you just to Just, if you can, just stay with me today just as as closely as you can. In Romans, the 16th chapter, we're reading here, and we want to read verse 17, starting off. Romans chapter 16, sorry. I'm in my wrong place here, and verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, to mark them which cause divisions and offenses, Contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And avoid them. And I've said to you before that word avoid means to cut a wide path around them. So we're going to take a large circle around somebody that is described here. Verse 18. For they are such. They that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. And I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. In First Samuel chapter 15, and you can, you're welcome to read this one on the board. This is just a phrase that I want to capture here. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. And this is Samuel speaking to King Agag. And King Agag was supposed to be dead. Uh, All of the sheep and all the oxen and everything that was in uh, that part of the country was supposed to be dead. And when Samuel shows up, he, he sees the king and he hears the lowing of the sheep and he hears the, the, you know, the oxen and so forth. And he says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I want you to say this with me. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. May God, at His blessing, you may be seated this morning. I have a lot of hay on my fork, so I'm just going to jump right in. We've been dealing with this subject of the glorious church, which we are a part of, thankfully. And uh, we're excited about where this, is, where this is taking us. And this is a good thing for us to talk about uh, in this last day. I love Brother Branham's statements about the end of uh, the bride's journey. And this is one of the things he says. He says, we got to come to full doctrine. We have to come as a, as a body. I like good old shouting meetings where we clap our hands and shout and have a good time, have great powerful services. He said, I like that. I like it too. He says, but when the showdown time comes, you don't know where you're standing. If it's only, if it's only the clapping of our hands and singing and having a good time, we've fallen short, haven't we? We've fallen short. And he says, but when the showdown comes... When the time comes where this thing really goes down as, as in, in conclusion, he says, and you don't know where you're standing, he said there's a great journey and a great battle ahead for the church. And God's going to turn his church into manhood now. Aren't you thankful that God who knows what's coming turns you into something to meet that need before you get there? So God in advance knows what the bride's going to face. I believe he's turning his bride into whatever she needs to be to to confront that enemy and to face that difficulty before we even get there. And I believe that's what God's doing now. And he says, now we're going to have to put away childish things and take on manhood. We're going to have to take on maturity. Well, that doesn't happen overnight, does it? a boy doesn 't become a man overnight, and a, and a girl doesn 't become a woman overnight. it takes time and it takes experience and it takes lots of different things that go into the process of turning a uh, a human being into a mature human being and the same way it 's going to take experiences and it 's going to take time and it 's going to take uh, you know the, the influence of God to turn a church into a mature church or if we say in our context it's it 's going to take time to turn the church into a glory glorious church. And that church is going to be without spot or wrinkle. How many agree? I mean, I'm only saying what the Bible says, that it's going to be a glorious church that he's going to take unto himself. And God's actually turning things now so that we become that by the time that it's time for us to go. God's not going to, you're not going to be changed when you uh, reach the grave. You're not going to go into the grave one way and come out another way. Brother Branham said this in things that are to be that death does not change us. It only changes our dwelling place. Are you with me? So therefore, we've got to be what we've got to be by the time we either come to the edge of the grave or by the time the change comes. We've got to be what God wants us to be because death or the change is not going to uh, make us a better person. We're going to take what we are, who we are, and we're going to step over into that dimension uh, and we're going to do it without going through some sort of a, a cleansing. Or we're not going to go through the car wash. We're not going to go through uh, some sort of cleansing process in the grave. Hey, that happens here. And when we step on that brink of the grave and come out on the other side, we'll be the same person, but in a better body. We'll be the same person, but in a better kingdom. Isn't that right? And so therefore, and we know that uh, as Paul prophesied uh, back to the Corinthian church, he said, uh, right now, he says, we look through a glass darkly. And then that's why, that's the way we see. And when we look through the glass darkly, uh, we are, we are obviously, uh, there are certain things, there are certain details that are obscure to us because we're looking through something that's not fully uh, clear or letting all the light in. Is that all right? All the light's not getting through because we're sitting in that place. But then he says, we will come to a day when we are, uh, we are in that light. Zechariah promises this light in the last day. And then Brother Manum announces to us in 1964, we do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. That's either really true or it's really not. It's one or the other. But you can't have a halfway uh, amen on this one. It's either a perfect interpretation of the word. And I will tell you something, that if there's things that we're believing wrong or things we misunderstand or misapply, it's not God's fault because he's given us the perfect interpretation. Your interpretation's in the way. Right? I mean, this is the perfect interpretation of the perfect word. How many believe the word is perfect? Because the word is Christ, right? 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 And so, therefore, if you've got a perfect interpretation of a perfect word, when you hear that, it's going to create what kind of faith? Perfect faith. Does that make sense? Having the perfect interpretation of a perfect word is going to create a perfect faith in those that hear it and believe it. Now, I, I, I want to I want to deal with this this thought of uh, this receiving this perfect word and. Uh, Brother Bantam, uh, he, he says it this way, I, I picked up the message this week and I've just really uh, enjoyed it all over again. I've, I've always enjoyed that sermon, but I, I, I just, it, my joy was renewed, if you like, uh, in that particular sermon. And in it, Brother Bantam makes this statement, he said, Abraham had to believe what that voice told him uh, when he was... Uh, 75 years old. He says 100 here, but watch the sentence. Uh, that 25 years later, he was stronger believing it than he was 25 years ago when it was given to him. Are you following the sentence? When, when, he gave the pro- when he was given the promise by God, he was 75 years old, right? 25 years later, he was stronger believing that promise than when God gave it to him. So at 100, he was stronger in faith than he was at 75. But here's the irony. At 100, he was weaker in the flesh than he was when he was 75. And what he may have been able to do at 75, he certainly couldn't do at 100, which is father-children. But yet, that didn't matter because his faith was stronger at 100 than his physical body. And you know what? When it comes to dealing with the things of God... It's more important that your faith is stronger than your flesh, and your faith is stronger than your feelings, and your faith is stronger than your emotions, and your faith is stronger than uh, your mental capacity. It's more important that your faith is stronger, and that's why I believe that Abraham was put there as an example. So look at it this way. When Abraham was 75, here's the story. Here's his body. Here's his faith. But at 100, it went like this. And he was strong, giving praise to God, believing, calling those things that were not as though they were. And that's the story of the testimony of Father Abraham. And that's the way, dot, 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 that's the way everyone must be that way. And everyone said, Alright, so that's us, right? If we say everyone, that's us. You must, you must come, you must come with an unfailing faith believing that God made the promise. So you must come to God. I, well, we could say it this way. You must come to the change of our body with, with an unfailing faith. You must come with your petition with an unfailing faith to God. You must come in, in the presence of God. You must come to the kingdom with an unfailing faith. I don't believe you're going to get in without an unfailing faith. I don't believe you're going to get in without an Abrahamic type faith. I don't believe that you're going to get in without like an Enoch faith. What does this faith look like? What do people with this faith do on this side? We know what they're going to do on the other side. What do people on this side do, or what does that faith look like in them? You don't know when your number is going to be called. You don't know when your time is up, right? Uh, I mean, any day. It can be a quick series of events, and you know what? We're, we're planning a funeral. We, we don't know, right? We don't know tomorrow. Let me give you an example. I have a good, good buddy over in uh, Northern, he lives in Northern Ireland and lives in a beautiful little community over there. And we were over there for the wedding of Paulo da Silva uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I, and we went up along the coast where the mountains of Morn are. And if you've never been to the mountains of Morn, <laughs> too bad. It's a beautiful place. And uh, when when we went up along the coastline, uh, we went to Brother Tommy uh, McKinstry's house. Tom McKinstry, he's a minister over there. I've told you about Brother Tommy before, and uh, I went to his church one time to preach, and I I was just coming out to to speak, and uh, I said, Brother Tommy, where's the microphone? Where's the tie clip? And he said, microphone? And I said, yeah. I said, where's the microphone? He said, we don't have one of those around here. And I said, oh, really? Okay. Okay. And uh, so I figured, well, it must be a, a you know this at the pulpit. So I go up there, and I'm sit, standing in the back with my wife before he calls me up to speak. And when I get up, when I when I watched him, when I came in the in the auditorium, and I, I I watched him. And they don't have a church; they're a little group that don't have a church. They rent a hall, uh, uh, an old Irish uh, like a it's almost like a, a Lions Club hall or something like that. It's a common hall and big old place. And uh, built 100 years ago. And Brother Tommy gets up there at the pulpit and he just starts talking. And as he, uh, because of the nature of his ministry and his way, he just starts talking. And I'll tell you what, you had to almost cover your ears. He was so loud. Then I thought, ah, that's why they don't have a sound system. He is the sound system. And I'll tell you what, I wore my voice out. I had preached several services on that trip and, and uh, wound up uh, horses, uh, horse is a horse at the end of that. I'll tell you, it was really something. But after the service, Brother Tommy and, and uh, my wife and I and, and his family went back to his house and he served us a kind of tea. And uh, we, we uh, and I'm just putting a plug in here for this tea, it's the kind of tea that we drink ever since that day when we went to Brother Tommy's house. It is the finest British tea that you'll ever find. Anyway, that's just another, that doesn't really count. Brother Tommy had uh, seven brothers and a sister. And one of his brothers was named Rock. I wish I had a picture of Rock here today to show you. And, and Rock was uh, probably a foot and a half taller than Tommy. And he was a weightlifter. In his day, he was a weightlifter. The pictures almost look doctored when you see Brother Tommy and you see Rock next to him. And Rock, and, and the reason they called him Rock was because he was so strong. He was a, a, a dozer operator and a tractor driver and that kind of thing. He was just a rugged fella, And he loved, he loved to preach on the street. I've got videos of him that are on their website now. I, I have videos of him preaching. And they would literally go and they carried like a milk wagon with them. And they would park the milk wagon on the sidewalk in, in, the, in the streets of their town. And uh, someone would get up and play the guitar. And then Rock would get up and uh, preach to the people there. I mean, you talk about street preaching. He was bold. He was loud. Uh, he was like his brother Tommy. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he, just, he just did it with a real passion because he loved the message so much. He just absolutely loved the message with a, a real true heart. And whenever Rock would see me, he'd just just get that big, you know, uh, catcher's mitt of a hand. And I'll tell you what, I'd have to pray a couple of prayers before he took my hand and shook it. I'd had to brace myself and kind of go into this crouch because he shook my hand. I'll tell you, I remembered that for about a week and a half. And he'd give me a hug, like a lumberjack giving you a hug. I mean, it was just really something. But I, I love Brother Rock. I mean, he's a great guy, just an absolutely great guy and i 'll tell you what kind of a fellow he was. He was just fearless, and he had uh, one one time and they would go anywhere and preach to anybody under any circumstances and He had some other brothers in the church to go with him and he had a He had a just stand up Sawyer for a minute here and uh, he had a, a brother in his church who who went with him, and he was just kind of a, a smaller brother and i 've just draw on a comparison here all right, you can sit down but uh, he he was a, uh, he was a smaller brother, and he came with uh, uh, they were going to minister at a certain place. And uh, when this fellow went the night before, Rock was going to come on Friday night. This was a Thursday night. I'm telling you this for a reason. And, and uh, this young man, this small guy, he went into this place. And there happened to be a biker group there. They were the equivalent of like a Hell's Angels group that were in this place. Uh, it was a common house in Ireland. And he starts to go around and witness to these guys and, and the, you know, preach to him, And get, he wants to give them a brochure. He wants to give them uh, some material. Well, these guys start, you know, picking on him. And uh, like you'd think, they, they start ridiculing him and picking on him and uh, pushing him around a little bit and told him to get out of here. And so he left. He went home. The next night, Rock came with him. And when Rock came in, all the same guys were still there. And he walked up to him like this. And he just said, hey, fellas. And he's, and he's brogue. I mean, it was such an Irish brogue. And he, he walked up to him, and he, they were all sitting there like you thugs right here. And he said, he said, now, fellas, we have a problem here. He says, we have a problem because my friend here, he says, he came last night, and he was trying to preach to you, fellas, and witness. And he said, you made fun of him. And he said, that's not good. That's not good at all. And he said, I only have one question for all of you which one is first? (laughs) And he just stood there like this, and he said, which one of you is first? And you know what they all did? They all did what these guys are doing now. Nothing. (laughs) The whole biker group was there, and none of them moved. None of them made a motion. And Rock said to him, it was all right. He said, we'll just pick up where we left off last night. And his friend just stood up and started preaching to the whole group that ran the place. He was just that kind of a guy. He just had a boldness because he had a love for the gospel. It was just amazing. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, he was at work. And he just felt really bad. All of a sudden, he just felt really bad in his stomach. And he called his son-in-law. And he said, he said, come and get me. He said, I don't feel good at all. Son-in-law went and got him and brought him to the hospital. Rock had four girls. One of them, the youngest was 10. The oldest was 21. And she had a little child. And he, I have a picture of Rock on, the, on a riding mower with that little grandchild, little boy. 24 hours later, Rock was dead. And the aneurysm had burst in his heart and he died. And it was such a shock to the whole family. It was such an absolute shock to the whole family and to the whole church because he would be the picture of someone who was in perfect shape and being so healthy and strong, so vibrant, so loud, and so present. When he came into her room, you knew it. And 24 hours later, he died. I'm saying that to say that God wants you to be ready before you leave here, because you don't know when you are going to leave here. And Brother Branham said that's the way everyone must be. He said believing that promise like Abraham was. So in other words, failing in health or f- or growing in age does not limit or stop the growth in faith. And he says now, but now. And here he adds this, you have to be in a position to have that faith. And that's what we're going to talk on now. He said to receive that perfect faith. Now, I believe that this is significant for us. I showed you this uh, diagram last week where uh, we as human beings on the earth, we have three dimensions, but God is giving us revelation uh, which feeds the inner man. And uh, we know that uh, the the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, it's within us. And it's a a critical thing. Along with that, along with that process of God dealing with us and walking with us through this life, there is healing for the body and there's healing for the spirit. And so all of those things are part of the experience of walking with God. And so Brother Ma'am says in the Feast of the Trumpets, we'll walk in the light, beautiful light, one step at a time. Lord, he said, coming closer to him. And children of the light... He said, accept his word, walking, keep walking, and watch more unfold. This is his advice to children of light. We are the children of light. He says, accept his word, keep walking, and watch more unfold. Don't leave it, no matter what somebody else says. Stay right in that, and just keep walking with it. And watch it unfold and reveal itself. The word is a seed, and a seed in the right kind of ground will bring forth its kind. If it's a perfect word, and the perfect word is a seed, let me tell you, it's going to bring forth a perfect product. Isn't that right? And he says, so don't, don't leave it no matter what. Walk in it, walk in that light, and embrace that light, and, and obey things that are said, and do the things that God shows you. He says, stay right with that, and watch it unfold and reveal itself. If you want to have more revelation, you walk in, the, in obedience to the revelation you already have. Right? That's how, we, that's how we did it. I, I've, I've used this example before, so just forgive me here for, uh, briefly for a moment here and, and say this. That when, when God told Abraham to get out of his country and out of his kindred, uh, God told him, he said, Abraham, I, I want you to leave. And Abraham would have just simply said, without knowing anything else, without knowing where he was going, because God said, I'll, I'll take you to a land that I'll show you later. And he doesn't know what the purpose is. He doesn't know what's going to happen when he gets there. And he just puts the for sale sign in front of his house. The neighbor comes over and says, hey, whoa, you're leaving. Yeah, we're leaving. Where are you going? I don't know. Where are you going to travel to when you sell your house? Well, I don't don't know that either. How will you know when you get there? I don't don't know that either. I'm just just acting on what I've been told so far. And you know what? When, when Abraham did that and sold his house, gathered his possessions and left his town, God began to commune with Abraham and tell him more. And as he walked down the road, you know, and God said to him, build an altar. Abraham builds an altar in obedience to what God said. And he, and he offers sacrifices on the altar and God begins to show him more. And he says, Abraham, go a little bit farther here and uh, go down the way here. And uh, I want you to to take a left to go down into the promised land here. And Abraham does that. And as he continues to walk in obedience to what God's shown him, God reveals more to him along the way. God is not obligated to give you the entire picture all at once, but he will give you more as you walk in obedience to what he shows you. I said, God will show you more when you obey what he's told you. And if you want to get more from God, walk in obedience and faith in what God's already told you. And don't question it, look in that and watch what God does up the road. You don't need to know the whole story, right? We don't need to know the whole story, but God will eventually uh, reveal more. And that's the, always the way to get more from God. And I mean, there are people that are sitting here and say, wow, you know, man, those services don't mean much to me. I mean, nothing really happens. I think I'll go to another church and, and that'll happen. That'll happen. And people will say, well, you know, and then after a while they'll talk to them and they'll say uh, over in that church, how's it going? Well, nothing much happening over in that church. And a lot of times it's not because people are preaching nothing in the church. I believe we're preaching something in this church. But if you're not obeying what's preached, let me tell you, God's not going to give you any more. He'll just let you sit there and wait on you until, until you walk in obedience to what God's told you. And the whole church can be moving on. The whole church can be carrying on. But, uh, you know, you can be sitting there stewing and being critical and all kinds of things there, not receiving a thing. And the whole church is rejoicing and saying, Oh, Brother Barry, love that. Oh, that spoke to my heart. Oh, that was really good. And a lot of times people will sit right there and stew right there because if they've got something that they stubbornly hang on to, an attitude or a sin or whatever else will be setting sin, you know what? God will let them sit right there until they make that right, until they do something about it. Or if God gives a specific instruction to you and you know it's God, you know it's not Brother Barry because I don't know what's going on in your life, but if he says something to you specifically and you turn away from that, God will let you sit right there until you come back and act on that. Because God's not obligated to give you the whole package all at once, but he gives you a little bit, and as you obey that, you walk a little bit further, and then you walk a little bit further as you walk in obedience to it. Does that make sense? That's the way it happens. So, brother, Mary, I'm saying that you want to keep walking, and that's what we want to do. And I said that God is now loosing the, the church uh, everywhere. He says getting, that, getting it in order so he can get it ready for the rapture and give it rapturing faith before we go. Well, we've got a perfect word now that helps us get there. And as uh, Joshua said, uh, he, as, as the angel, gave, and I'm just reviewing here, as the angel gave him direction there, the angel of God will lead you every step of the way. I believe that. And sometimes you think your trials are hard, but God ain't in no hurry. You're the only one that's in a hurry. And God let the Hebrew children go right into the fiery furnace. In other words, they come up to the edge of what's possible. You come up to the edge of what is now impossible, if we go any further, and he says to them, go a little bit further, and he says, just rise up and start walking by faith. And I suggest to you that that's where real faith kicks in, is when you come to the edge of the impossible, and God says to you, go a little bit further. Like those children of Israel, they walk to the edge of that fiery furnace and then God says, go ahead, make the step. Go ahead and, and uh, use your faith and walk on. And uh, even though everyone else around you is dying because of the heat, hey, keep walking. And they did and God met them on the inside. And the king is standing there saying, hey, wasn't there, wasn't there only three thrown in there? Yeah, there was only three, but there's four in there now. So then we come to two kinds of faith. As I said, faith in God's existence, which is not a problem, but faith in in the trustworthiness of God. That's where we have to really exercise our muscles here. Like like Naomi told Ruth, sit still, my daughter, and just wait. Boaz is going to do it. She has no assurance that Boaz is going to do it. She has no promise from Boaz that Boaz is going to do it. But she believes that if there's any redemption here, it's going to have to be Boaz, and we've done everything we can, so we're going to entrust the rest now to Boaz. She's not noticed. She's not telling Boaz what he has to do. Boaz knows what he has to do, but she just says, "Sit still, my daughter," because she's she's speaking to Ruth here, and Ruth is wondering, "Well, what's next? What do we do now?" And she just says, "Hey, just wait, wait. This is not in your hands. This is in the hands of another." Think about this now. When we come to this place of the end, we come to this place of the conclusion of the journey here. It's, it's, not, it's not up to us. If we could change our bodies, we would. If I could get you all out of here, including Brother Johnny, uh, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, you'd all be gone. If I could do that, you'd all be gone. If you could do that, you'd probably all be gone. But it's not in our hands. So we had to rest. We had to make sure that we rest in the, in the hands, in the presence of the one who can do it. Amen. Are we okay? And, and, and this whole idea of trustworthiness is a very important thing. Now, as Brother Branham, and again, I'm I'm just reaching back here. Uh, This is the last one. Brother Branham talks about this scripture in the book of Luke, and he says that uh, if there's new wine, he said it should go into a new hide or a new skin because the old dry cowhide is not going to be able to handle the life that's in that new revelation that comes. And and he says the old dry cowhide will say our teachers and pastors say that those miracles and things are finished. But if it's a new hide and it's got new life, it's flexible and it gives life to the word. And the spirit always supports the word. Now here's your, this should be your modus operandi. This should be the way that you navigate. You guys and all you young single people that are here, this is the way you should operate. That I want to make sure that whatever I plan, whatever I do, whatever girl I get in contact with, whatever boy that shows an interest in me, I want to do it in such a way that the Spirit will support that. Because the Spirit will not necessarily support your status in the church the spirit will not support you because you're the pastor's son or daughter the pastor will, or sorry the spirit will not support anything that's contrary to the word he's going to support though the things that are from the word that's what he's going to support and you want to navigate in life making sure you have the support of the spirit and and that's what to me that's that's a great direction for us now uh as, as Brother Branham says here in, in, in uh, Why So Many Christians Find It So Hard to Live a Christian Life, he said that mental conception or intellect, intellect will never really do it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings a human being to his place. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings you to your place. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brought you to the, uh, to, in, into the community where the message is, was preached, Right? I mean, the the Holy Spirit in your life brought you to Christ. It brought you to Calvary. Can you agree? It wasn't Satan that did that. It was the Holy Spirit that did that. And and I believe that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to bring us to the place where our bodies will be changed. I believe the Holy Spirit places you in the right church. I believe the Holy Spirit places you under a right ministry. I believe the Holy Spirit places you in a family. Not by your choice, but by someone's choice. You didn't get a vote. And, and so therefore, come next Sunday night, and we'll talk about, you know, the leaving of that family. But for today, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not intellect. It's not you planning, or it's not anybody mapping it out. It's not your parents sitting down and saying, all right, we're going to have a boy, and this boy is going to be uh, born on this particular month, and we're going to have that boy live with us for 19 years, and then he's going to find a girl, and we're going to go find that girl. Hey, that's not, life is not arranged like that. Even, even the best laid plans of men, God laughs at sometimes. And so therefore, it's not mental conception, and neither should we spend a lot of energy trying to figure it out. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life, and let him bring you to your place that you belong. I believe that that's an important thing. Like Brother Bram said here, it takes the the work of the Holy Spirit even to turn your heart. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things for you that you don't do. And he says, anything that you have need of, no matter what it is, sickness, he said, if you have need of healing, if it's trouble, you have need of relief. If you're wearied and bothered, you need peace. He said, come now to Christ. He said, you see, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. He does this. If I, as a pastor, could give you relief, I would. If I could give you a supernatural touch, I would do that. My goodness, why wouldn't I do that? But he said it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know what? You need to be in a position to receive these things from the Holy Spirit. But he does it. It's not me and it's not you. It's him that does it in our lives. I I love that. And and he said, uh, you know, sinners, he said, but he he said, uh, sinners do that. They live out in the world, but you don't have to do that. He said, if the things are going good, things are going good in my soul and bad in my body, vice versa, it makes no difference. God is always there. I'm always stimulated with the pleasure that uh, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what he does for the believer. Hey, Brother Tim down here gone through that surgery there and Brother Johnny in the hospital and Sister Laura facing a surgery here. All kinds of things that are happening, you know, like Brother Rock's family over there. That's not what they planned on. Sometimes it goes great. Sometimes it doesn't go great. Sometimes it's really positive and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you know you make plans for your old age and retirement and sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you have plans for your children and visions for your children or visions for your church or whatever else and it doesn't always work out that way. Brother Brandon is saying, hey, our faith and our trust in God is higher than that and if it doesn't work out that way, you know what? That's still joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because God's in control and God's got all this under his, his domain here. And he said that's what he does for the believer. So he takes away the failure and failure. He takes away the sadness and disaster. He takes away the trouble in your trouble sometimes. And God can replace that with a trust that, Lord, all things work together for good. Hey, let me tell you, that's not always an easy scripture to quote, especially when you're going through the valley of, of trouble and the valley of, of difficulty and the valley of sorrow and the valley of loss and the valley of sickness and the valley of, uh, you know, your children rebelling and walking out. It's not easy for you to open your Bible to Romans 8 and say, all things work together for good because this is hard. And life is not always fair. And life is not always consistent. And life is not always predictable. And it doesn't always happen the way that we plan it out. But you know what? Brother Branham's giving us a word here that says, no matter what you face and no matter what valley you're going through and no matter what kind of situation you face, God's above all of that. And you know what? The Lord is here. And if the Lord is here, the best thing for you to do is just follow. Follow that. Keep, keep walking in the light and watch more unfold and reveal itself. Glory to God. All right. Now, <clears throat> oh my. The work of the enemy is to make you look at natural things. Now, we, we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot more we could say, but I think you get the idea. But he said, now, in the harvest time, and notice how striking Satan, Satan makes every attack. Just the same each time. And he tried to give him the natural bread just like he did Eve. So this is Matthew 4. And, and Jesus is up on the mountain here and Satan's tempting him. If you eat this, take this. And, and, and he, he, Satan said he, this, or Brother Bram said that Satan's trying to tempt Jesus. And he said that's what he does to every organization. That's what he does to every individual. He tries to give you natural things that you can look at. And he says, taking you away, taking you away from the promise. It's taking you away from the word. So this is Satan's tactic because Satan's tactic is never going to bring you closer to the word or reinforce the truth of the word. He's always going to take you farther away from it, right? That's his job. And, and it can be in the, in the form of a young girl who's, who's not a believer, got bad intentions, or a boy that's got bad intentions and hanging around a girl. It's, it's, it can be in the form of reading books, so-called Christian books. It can be, uh, it can be in music, because music's a great influencer. It, it can be in peer pressure, right? There's, there's all kinds of things, but many, many times, Satan will get you to look at natural things and get you focused on that. Wow, I, 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 I put a post on Facebook, and I only got two likes. Man, man, you know, I must, I, this outfit must not be any good then. So I'm going to go get another one. And then you go get a new outfit and post it out there. And there's only one like, ah oh, man. And you know what you're doing? You're caught up looking at natural things. Right? Or, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you know you can look at the church. You can sometimes look at things that people will say. And sometimes you can go away, you know, I've been to church two weeks in a row. And Brother Barry never shook my hand. I got brother Munch down here. Fa- I call him faithful brother Munch, and I promised him lunch. And we've been working at it a bunch, <laughs> but we've never gotten to lunch. And but, you know he still comes, and I appreciate that. But hold on, brother Munch, we'll get to lunch. I have a hunch we'll we'll get there. <laughs> so if brother Munch was a kind of a guy who was. Really, you know, unduly sensitive and say, well, you know, I'm going to get Brother Barry one more week. Well, but he's not like that. He's not like that. And, and I believe that the bride of Christ, for all of us here, we have to rise above. We have to rise above a lot of the natural things that, that Satan will try to use in distracting you to get looking at people and get you to looking at circumstances and get you to looking at your feelings. And a lot of times that's what he gets us to look at is our feelings and get us to look away. And when he does, you know what? Your eyes are off the promise because your eyes are either, either on the promise or off the promise. And, and that's what Satan, he's successful. He's done his job, but he's got you getting your eye off the promise. Are we okay? Now let's take your Bible. I. I want you to I want to just deal with this story just for a moment here because obedience is a very powerful thing. I want you to go to Judges chapter twenty and I want you to open your Bible there. How many believe that obedience is important to God? Let me give you this statement here, 1964. Brother Branham's talking about Abraham here again. What a promise because of obedience. He said, obedience is what God wants. Money is not what God wants or needs. Your talents and gifts, that's not what God wants. Now, he does want to use those things because he's given them to you. But here's Brother Branham identifying That obedience is what God wants. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To obey the Lord is better than any sacrifice that you could do. Well, how about when God is telling you to obey something and it just does not work out the way that you thought it would? Judges, chapter 20. I've never taken time on this particular s- chapter here because it's it follows one of the most heinous crimes in Israel's history where the, the men of Bethlehem the tribe of Bethlehem specifically the city of Gebeah. Gebeah is the birthplace of Saul and he uh, these these men take this woman and abuse her and eventually she she dies and the man who and you can read this story to your Children, or tell your children, paraphrase it for them later on. And this woman who died, it was a concubine of of this Israelite. He eventually took this woman, divided her up into 12 parts, sent it apart to all the other tribes of Israel as a symbol of how how this sin is in, in our midst here. To paraphrase... The children of Israel now, not Bethlehem, but the, or sorry, uh, the, um, the children of Israel came together and, and they said, now, how should we react to this? How, how should we deal with this in our midst here? Because this is such a horrible, terrible crime. And so they, they go to God. Naturally, they go to God and they ask him, Lord, what do you want us to do about this? Because... Moses tells us in many places that when there's sin in the camp, we've got to get rid of that sin, we've got to destroy the the sinner, and we've got to get rid of that sin before we can go forward. These are people who would have been either at Ai or descendants of the people who were at Ai, and they knew what it meant to lose the battle because there's sin in the camp. And so I'm reading in verse 1 here of chapter 20, Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered as one man, In other words, they were unified here. They were all together. And Dan even unto Beersheba with the land of Gilead unto the the Lord in Mizpah. So this is where they gathered. And the chief of all the people, even uh, of all the cities of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people, 400,000 footmen. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were uh, gone to Mizpah. This is the gathering place. They heard about that. And then said the children of Israel, tell us. How was this wickedness? And the Levite describes it here. And you can can go to it later on. So go to verse 11. Drop down to verse 11 if you will. And so all the men of Israel were, were gathered together against the city of Gebeah, knit together as one man. And the tribes of Israel sent through all the tribe of Benjamin, Saying, what wickedness is this that is done among you? Now therefore deliver us the men and the children of Belial, which are in Gebeah, that we might put them to death and put away evil from Israel. Well, that's the commandment. That's right. Because God told Moses to to tell the people to do that. There has to be a purging out of sin. Hey folks, we do it now in the New Testament all the time. When you make a mistake, you purge out that sin. You, 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 you attack that sin, you expose that sin, right? We don't kill the guy who wronged us. And the guy doesn't have a right to come and kill you because, he's wronged, because you've wronged him. But the idea is that, hey, we're not going to go any further until things are purged out. And, and so this principle carries over, not in the physical, thankfully, but it carries over into the New Testament here. 14, but the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gebeah, Unto the cities of Gebeah. and to go into battle against the children of Israel. And it says that there were 26,000 of them that drew the sword. So the people of, of Benjamin, their response was, hey, we're not going to give up these guys who did this crime. So we're going to fight. We're going to fight against all Israel. So they gather together, 26,000 of them, and they come, uh, they come and ring the city. They're, they're going to defend their ground, their territory. Now they're defending the wrong thing. Are we okay? They're defending the wrong thing. That's clear. And then it says in 17, and the men of Israel besides Benjamin were numbered 400,000 that drew the sword. All these were men of war. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God. Hold on now. We have 26,000 inside the city of Gebeah. We have 400,000, almost a half a million gathered around Gebeah. That's the scene. All of them are determined to win the battle. Both of them believe they're right. It's really not much different than the civil war here in America because both sides believe they were right and they were fighting for a righteous cause. Either way, the Bible says that in verse 18, the children of Israel arose and went to the house of God. So they said, before we lift a hand or a sword against our brother here, we're going to go ask counsel of God. We're going to find out what God says because we don't want to be out of God's will. If God wants to stop us, now's the time. We're giving him opportunity to stop us right here. Watch what happens. And they said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the Lord, against the children of, of Benjamin? And the Lord said, praise will go first. The name Judah means praise. And when you fight a battle, who did they always send first in the battle? The musicians, the singers, right? Those people that played the harps and the drums, and they went first. What do we do first in our, in our service here? The first thing we do is begin, we begin to praise, right? This is the order of God. They're not operating on a sync with God. But God says, yeah, I want you to go and put Judah up there first. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning, and they camped against Gibeah. Do you believe they're in the will of God? Yes, sir. God told them to go and put Judah up there first. So the men of Israel went out, 21. And the children of Benjamin came out forth out of Gibeah and destroyed, are you following me? in 21, I'm in 21. And destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day, 22,000 men. They're in the will of God. God told them to go, told them how to go. They're justified in going. And he tells them to go and they lose. That's right. God told them to go. But you know what they did? They obeyed. They obeyed what God told them. And 22,000 of their brethren died. That's the first day. The children of Israel, it says in 22, they came back at the end of that day and they encouraged themselves. And they set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves on the first day. And watch what happens in 23. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord again. This is the second time now, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Israel, against the children of Benjamin my brother? And the Lord said, up against him you want to know who the heroes are here the heroes are those those soldiers that went out the second time on the battlefield and said god told us the first time god's telling us the second time you know what i'm going to go i'm going to go in faith and i'm going to go trusting god because god told us the first time didn't come out like we thought but he told us to go again you know what we're going to go so they got up in the morning and took their swords and got dressed and said honey we're doing this at the commandment of the Lord. They're following me here this morning. I'm not going to be much longer, but I want to say this. They walked out there in that battlefield for the second time. They're looking at the place. That's where John died. That's where Bill died. That's where Brother Bob died. And they're walking out on the field a second time. To me, those are heroes of the faith because they're walking in obedience. They don't have an answer here. God doesn't give him an answer as to why this happened. God doesn't give him an answer why 400,000 don't destroy 22,000 or 26,000 here. And God doesn't explain all of this. And he doesn't say what he's doing here. God doesn't do that. Hear me when I say this. Your obedience can never be tied to a predicted outcome. When your obedience is tied to a predicted outcome, That's not real obedience like the Bible talks about. Real obedience is doing it simply because God says, even if the outcome is not what you predict. Even if the outcome is not what you expect. When your obedience is dependent on, well, God, you've got to do this, and that's why I'm going to follow the way of the the Lord, but Lord, you have to do this. You know what? I got a little bit of news for you. You never hired God. You're not his boss. And there are things that are going to happen in your life that you will not have an answer for. And they will turn out in ways that you didn't predict. But let me tell you something. You're going to lose when you fail to obey God. What's the greater loss? The greater loss is when you fail to obey God. Rather than doing what God tells you to do even when the outcome is not what you predict. Can I go a little farther? Watch this. This is extraordinary to me. This so captivated my heart this week I couldn't read anything else. And Benjamin 25, I'm in 25. They're on the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day. And destroyed Benjamin destroyed them down to the ground of the children of Israel, 18,000 men. All these drew the sword. Am I reading that right? Benjamin went forth on the second day against Israel, 18,000 men. 22,000 men the first day, 18,000 men the next day. We have 40,000 funerals now that we have to conduct here. Forty. Thousand widows, 40,000 families without a, without a father. Why, why? Why? I mean, after the second day, you'd have to ask a question, why are we here? Why are we doing this? Can someone tell us why we're doing this? Yeah, the answer is real simple. We're out on that battlefield because God told us to go. But we're not winning. I mean, when God tells you something, aren't you going to be victorious? God never said that. He just said, go. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying what it says here. And I'm just saying to you this morning that sometimes we think obedience, all right, I'll obey God if it makes sense, or I'll obey God, but it comes down to that time and I've got to step past the impossible and I've got to make that other step. It better make sense and God better do this. You know what? That may not be the case because you know what? God's after you to, to really manifest more than anything else. He's not asking you to manifest a total understanding of every situation. He's asking you to manifest obedience just because he says. Yeah. So what kind of faith will this faith be in the trustworthiness of God? It'll be a faith like these guys had, who went out on the battlefield a second day and saw another loss. What's extraordinary is in the next verse. Let's read it. And the children of Israel, 26, and all the people went up and came unto the house of God. Now this is a real understatement, classic biblical understatement. They go to church, they weep, they sit there before God, and they fasted all day. They offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, watch, the son of Aaron. That's the same guy that ran the javelin through the people that came into tent that day. Remember that? The first deacon. And he stood, don't you deacons get any ideas? saying, shall I yet go again out? To, I mean, the fact that they're asking the question the third time, the fact that they're there in church and asking God the question the third time to me is extraordinary. They're not out there shaking their fist against God. Hey, that, hey, that's it. We don't understand. And you know what? We got 40,000 funerals to plan. How can you ask us to go? We're not asking again whether we're going to go out on the battlefield. That's it. In a sense, you'd almost have a, a feeling that they're right in, in reacting that way to God. But you know what they do? They go to church, they fast, they pray, they offer offerings, and they come to God. And Phineas is a spokesman here, and he says, Shall I yet go again out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? You know why? You know why he's asking this? Because he's still in the perfect will of God. Folks, he's still in the will of God. Or shall I stop? Shall we stop here? And the Lord said, I love this. He said, go up for tomorrow you'll win. Go on up. Tomorrow's going to be different. Can you handle the third day? Would you be like those people who go to him on the third day? And the first day they're in church asking God, get an answer. Second day they're in church asking God, God gives an answer. Third day they're in church, they're asking God. And God says, last time go. Because this time you're going to win. Now they have a right to say what God said. You understand now what's happening. The first time they went up, they can't say, we're going to win. Because God didn't say that. God just said, go up. Are you splitting hairs, Brother Barry? Absolutely. Because there's a lot of times, come on, there's a lot of times when we read a promise in the Bible and say, all right, God's got to do that. You know, God's got to take, God's got to do that exactly the way that I quoted it there because that's what, exactly what he said. You, you know, let me tell you something. You better make sure that you're saying what God said correctly. And when these Israelites heard God say to them, all right, folks, I want you to go up on the third day, and the battle is going to be yours this day. Now they could go on the battlefield saying, Lord, we're going to win this because you said. They have a different kind of confidence now going into this battle on the third day because they know, they know that God has promised them the battle. In the first two instances, God gave them a commandment and their, their job, their responsibility was to obey that. Even in the face of failure, even in the face of disappointment. Let me tell you, I look around the room here. Some of you had great disappointments in life doing things in the will of God. And I commend you today. And I want to. I want to be. I want to re, just remind you this morning. And you know who I'm talking about? That that some of you, you know, made plans, you know, to have children, have marriages, to have, uh, you know, raise your young people in the way that uh, you you intended to raise them. And it, it doesn't always come out. Doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. You're doing what it is that God's told you to do. You're obeying and walking in God's, God's light and God's promise. And that's exactly what we should do. But when it doesn't always come out the way we plan it to come out, the right response is what these men of Israel did. The right response is never to shake your fist at God, but to just say, Lord, uh, give me the next step. I'm here on the third day. I've learned a lot about you, Lord. I've, I've experienced a lot in the last two days but I'm here on the third day. To me, only, only bride-quality people come back on the third day. Only bride-quality people walk out on the battlefield the third day and have their sword ready. And they're ready to look the enemy in the eye and say, today, buddy, it's different. Today I got a promise, and God said the battle is mine. So you're going down. You're going down today. You could be like Rock who walked into that public house and said, which one of you are first? Because he has no fear. A man with a revelation is never at the mercy of fear. I said, a man with a revelation is never at the mercy of fear. Because he's got a revelation from God. And this is the classic, to me, the quintessential story of obedience here. And then it says, if you drop down to verse 35, and I love the rest of the story, but just for time's sake, the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed the Benjaminites that day, twenty and five thousand and a hundred men, and all those that drew the sword. They destroyed the whole city. They destroyed everything there in in consequence of the, uh, the sin that was inside the camp there. But I like the way that it says that in verse 35, the Lord smote. Gibeah, the Lord smote the Benjaminites. God did this. And you know what? When you obey, when you obey, it just doesn't affect you. It affects a lot of other people when you obey the Lord. When you obey, when Jesus obeyed and went to the cross, it affected a lot of people. When Adam disobeyed, it affected a lot of people. And when they obeyed, it affected the future of Israel. Let me give you one more example here really quickly, if you don't mind. Let's turn over to, uh, if, if you don't mind, just go to another place here in, in, uh, in the book of uh, 1 Samuel. Just, just for a moment here. I want to just take a look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I, matter of fact, I can read this. I can paraphrase this for you a little bit. Jonathan and the Israelites are pinned down oddly enough you know where they're pinned down is in Saul's birthplace Saul's town that he was born in guess what the name of that town is but Gebeah that's where Saul was born so now they're pinned down and they're they're not doing anything Saul is there King Saul is there he's got 600 soldiers with him and, and they're all hunkered down. They're afraid to do anything. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there's a bunch of Israelites that have defected and went with the Philistines. They've kind of gone out, you know, and figured, oh, we're not going to win this. So they went and sided with the Philistines and stayed over there. I mean, that's how bad it really was. And Jonathan, Saul's son, he looks at the situation and he says to his armor bearer, he says, hey, um, I got a plan, I got an idea. Uh, God's laid something on my heart. He said, let's go destroy the garrison of the Philistines. And to me, another hero of this this whole scenario is the armor bearer. The armor bearer says, sure. And he just picks up. He's the equipment manager, right? And he just picks up the stuff and says, yeah, let's go. Lead the way. And he's just following. He doesn't ask why. He doesn't ask why. He doesn't ask how. He doesn't. How are we going to do this? And when are the rest of them coming? And he's looking. You know, we're looking behind. When are the rest of the army coming? No, it's just me and you, and we're going to go. <coughs> and and so, sorry, Jonathan uh, walks along the road, and he comes around the backside, and he hides behind the rock. And he says, he says to his armor bearer, he says, "Tell you what, we're going to do." We're going to expose ourselves. We're going to come out from behind the rock. And when we do, he said, the Philistines are going to see us. We're going to show ourselves on purpose to the Philistines. And we're going to just say, hey, we're here. <clears throat> and when they do that, if they say, stay there, we're going to come down and get you. Well, Jonathan says, we're going to take off. Because <laughs> that's a sign the Lord's not with us. But if they say, come on up here, we want to talk to you. That's a sign the Lord's given us the garrison. So the armor bearer says, Right on. I mean, he's a real hero. He's just, he's got confidence in his leader, and he just says, Yes, sir, way to go. So Jonathan and the armor bearer jump out from behind a rock, and they just go, Hello? And the people, the, the, the Philistines are up there on the mountain. They look down. Hey, you can read all this in the Bible, right? It's all there. Trust me, it's all there. And the men of the garrison and, and the armor bearer, uh, sorry, the men of the garrison answered Jonathan when they jumped out and said, "Come up to us, We will show you a thing. Smart, Alex. Come on up here and jump out." And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, "Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them all into our hand." <laughs> and the armor bearer says, "Great, let's go. Now look at the battle plan. <clears throat> Here's the battle plan. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet. Look, if I was any more limber, I'd get down and do that. But it would just crash the service. So I won't do that. But this is the battle plan. He's going up into a a garrison of soldiers on his hands and knees. Hey, this is not how you win battles, right? This is not how you do it. And he's climbing up the rocks like this. And I've, I've been there. This is really rocky, craggy, sharp rocks. And he's going up the side of the hill like this. So he can't have a bow in his hand or a spear. I mean, he's just hanging on for dear life, going up the side of the mountain there. And he's, he looks back and the armor bearer's with him. You know, he's carrying the goods and comes up on the top. And they get up on the top. And the Bible says when Jonathan climbed up, And his hands upon his uh, his hands and feet. And his armor bearer came after them. Now both of them are standing there in the middle of the camp. The Bible says, and they fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer slew after him. 20 of them died right there on the spot. And then because 20 died, the rest of the Philistines look around and they say, Hey, the Israelites have attacked somehow. And you know what they did? They they came out of their tents and they started to fight one another and they killed one another and all kinds of commotion occurred. King Saul is over in his camp hiding and somebody looks over and says, wow, there's a real stir over there in the camp. And uh, they said, we ought to go over and take a look. So they begin to go over and take a look and they realize that the Philistines are dying and they're all running away and here's Jonathan standing there. And so they're all encouraged by Jonathan's obedience. And even the people who deserted and went with the Philistines, you read the story, they came and joined back with the army and all of them did. And they took off after the Philistines and ran after them, killed them all. And it was a tremendous victory for the children of Israel. You know why? Because one man, one man obeyed God. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 14, Likewise, all the men of Israel which hid themselves in the Mount of Ephraim when they heard the Philistines fled, they followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day. We find the same uh, phrase there in the book of Judges there when uh, when, when, uh, God uh, destroyed the armies there after the third day. And here's God saying the same thing. The Lord saved Israel that day. What is God doing? He's taking one man that he's got in his hands and he lays something on his heart. And Jonathan, you know, he didn't look at that and say, well, you know what? I'm not really sure we can do that. I'm not really sure that that's sensible. I'm not really sure uh, that that's really the best approach to destroying this army here. Jonathan doesn't engage in any of that. He actually just turns around and goes... And, and, and leads the armor bearer into a place where they start falling down around it because that's exactly what God wanted him to do and by faith he's following God and in that obedience God operates and does a great thing let me tell you God doesn't need a great thing to do a great thing he's just got a man that wants to obey God what can God do today with us that know his word so well and we have a perfect interpretation of the word back then they had an Old Testament understanding of the word of God and you and I have got a perfect interpretation interpretation of the word of God. When we obey, it affects more than us. When we obey, it affects more than just us. When a man obeys God in his household, it affects his whole household. When a pastor obeys God, it affects the whole church. When a prophet obeyed God, it affected the whole world. How many would say amen? Amen. It doesn't take Brother Man understanding how it's all going to work and how it's all figured out. It doesn't take that. It just takes Brother man saying, you know what? My managers, I got great managers. I heard him say this this week. Hey, I got great managers and they're really good at organizing things, you know. And he says they get everything all set up. But if I feel led, I'm going to go where God leads me. Because he's learned this whole principle of obedience. He's learned this whole thing. And he says about Abraham in 1965, Abraham was a prophet of the Lord. The word came to And he talks about him and Sarah. And he says that was a great shock to an unbeliever for a man that old to have a baby. But Abraham believed God. No matter how much God spoke, how true it was, Abraham had to believe what God said to make it so. God's given Abraham a promise, but somebody's got to believe it to make it so. Do you understand what he's saying? We've got a promise of the rapture, the change of our bodies at the end time. You know what? It's going to do no good if we just leave it on our shelf. It's going to do no good if we just kind of read it and, you know, well, that's okay. But, uh, you know, when circumstances turn sour or things get dark, darker, and things get really funny and squirrely, and then we have another 9-11, and we have a lot of 9-11s, and we have all kinds of things go on in our world. And all of a sudden, we begin to feel pressure. You know what? We don't feel pressure now from the outside. Thankfully, we don't feel pressure from the outside. The only pressure we have is the pressure from within. And and Satan fights that way. But I will tell you what. What about if you had pressure within and pressure without? What if you had pressure from your families that said, you know what, you ought to get out of that church, you ought to walk away from that, and you know, just worship God on your own, and just uh, go to another church or something else. What if we became identified as a church that believed and professed and preached the message of God, and we didn't give in to the system, and we didn't give in to, uh, you know, the the, uh, requirements that could be made or passed by law, that all of a sudden we have to believe, and there's no more such thing as an independent church anymore. Do you realize how how close we are to to outlawing independent churches now, doesn't it make sense that they, the government or whoever would say, you know what, we all need to be a part of something. We all need to be accountable in some way. And after all, we all need to be paying taxes on our income. That's the motive. You realize how close we are, actually, to that. I would, I would submit to you that we are more close than what you think. But let's just say, let's whatever form it takes, and whatever. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just saying that what if things got darker, and what if things got tighter, and what if things got more threatening, and what if things got more aggressive against the bride of Christ, and what if it wasn't so pleasant and easy just to kind of roll in here in church and sing a special and go to uh, go to uh, you know eat Thai food after church and everybody's happy and goes home. Let me tell you something. What about if it changed? What about if it it got a little bit darker here? I I wonder how you're going to react on the second day and then react on the third day when God says, keep going and keep going and keep going. Even when we experience setbacks and even when we experience losses and even when we experience outcomes that we did not predict. Outcomes we didn't anticipate. God, may I say this, God, make us strong against the third day. God, prepare us for the third day. Give us the resolve of those heroes of the faith in the book of Judges there. That after they lost 40,000 of their soldiers, their fellow soldiers, you know what they did? They went to church. let stand to our feet. And they stood there in church and sang and gave offerings to God and looked to God And they believe God. Now, I'm going to leave you with a quote. Everybody, rustle with your stuff here and put your Bible down. Musicians, come. I want to leave you with a quote. You ready? Joe, you ready? Watch what Brother Brown says here. This is perfect faith. He's talking about Abraham believing now like he did. This is this perfect faith thing, this principle of perfect faith. This is coming into that third pool. I believe that's what God wants the bride to be coming into. That's what the bride wants. That's what God wants the bride to be coming into, is this third pole realm. And watch a perfect God with a perfect heart keep a perfect promise by his perfect word. And we're coming now to that perfection because, listen, the people has to come to this in order for the rapture. In order for your body to change, you've got to come into this realm of faith that is not always predictable where outcomes are not always assured where Abraham had to believe something that didn't even look sensible for a man 100 years old to have a baby and a woman who could never have a child now to have a child and he said that's what's holding it away in that right now is waiting for the church to come into that perfect raptured faith he said, it means a lot of shaving down for me and for you. But together, he says, we'll make it by the grace of God. But that's what we have to come into. Are you ready to come into it? You want to come into that? Do we, I, I mean, I'm asking, and I want you, this is your homework. I want you to go home and think about this. I want you to go home and pray about this. That, that we have to come into this level of faith that I don't believe we are at now. And that's not a criticism. There's a time for all things, right? But now we have a perfect interpretation so now we can have a perfect word and faith comes by hearing. We have a perfect faith come into this and believing God and obeying God no matter what takes place. Why? this is what's going to be required for us to get out of here. Wow. I don't know about you but I, 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 just, I just feel like we're on the edge of something. I, I just feel like that God is moving us or opening doors for us to be able to see and understand things that, uh, that are coming open to us in ways perhaps we've not seen before. Let's sing that little chorus. Uh, I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would. Let's sing that this morning. And I want you just to think on this now because here's Brother Bram saying this is coming into the third pole. This is, this is a direction we should be moving in. We should be going this way. God's bringing his church into maturity now. I'm in the manhood now. And this is a growing up time, acting like real Christians. Hey, it gets tough. It gets tight. My feelings get hurt. You know what? If you're a mature son of God, we move on anyway. We got, we got a heavenly father that knows a whole lot better than any of us about what's going on here. And I'm, I'm told in the Bible, I'm told in the message to follow him. And so... This is what we're going to do. And we should sing this along the way. Let's sing it together. I'm going to make it Already said that I will I'll keep on trusting
7: us
1: huh?
6: us. Thank you, Lord, for your promise. I've got a report. I see brother Jeremy back here. This is a note from sister Doris. I just entered the parking garage, garage, and headed to the CVICU. The doctor just called me and said they stopped the bleeding and his blood pressure is back up. He's stable now. Thank the Lord. Let's sing the days of Elijah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These Glory. are That's the our days God. of Elijah. Thank you,
1: Jesus. Preparing the word of the Lord. These are the days of your servant Moses. Righteousness we restored. And though these are days of great trials, Will of famine and darkness and soar Still we are the voices in the desert crying. and prepare ye the way of the Lord will behold ye come Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun At the trumpets call whoa. of jubilee and out of Zion till salvation comes well these are the days of Ezekiel oh the dry bones be coming as flesh. and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise and these are the days of the harvest, oh yes, the fields are as wide as the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord, be holy, come singing, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, oh I trumpet's call, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion to salvation comes. All right, sing it. There's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah, There's no God like Jehovah 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 Oh, He comes Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun At the trumpets call Lift your voice It's a year of jubilee out of science to salvation come. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. But there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh. Oh. Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun At the trumpets call Lift your voice Year of Jubilee And now to Zion Till salvation comes well, Lift your voice It's a year of Jubilee And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes.
6: Hey, we prayed on Wednesday night for Brother Johnny. And you know what? In a situation like that, he's a winner either way. Yes, Lord. And you know what? I thank God for the report. We have him here, but he still has to face that surgery tomorrow. Remember, he still has to face that surgery major surgery tomorrow but it gives us a little confidence in terms of just praying for him believing that God can see him through this emergency situation, God can see him through that God has helped Brother Johnny many times over many years but you know what our job is never to tell God what he has to do our job is just to believe believe God and trust him God's not leading us in vain he's not leading us astray He's leading us in the right way. And that's a great thing. Great thing for us to hang on to. Let's sing it this morning. here. Give thanks with a grateful heart.
1: Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus. Run cry
6: both going through some uh, things here. Seven brothers, come on up here. Uh, they're both going through testing. They're going through some difficulties that uh, come with age and time. And uh, God has honored them and blessed them many times. But they're both uh, suffering with some issues here that are just not right. Doctors are testing. They're doing some different things here. We're thankful for that. But uh, I, I want to join together with these brothers and with all of you in the congregation here. And uh, just to pray that God will undertake for them because it affects their daily life. It affects their walk. It affects a lot of different things in their life. And so I told them that now's the time where we make sure every channel is clear. Everything is out of the way and under the blood. And we're just going to claim the promise that God gave to us. And uh, we're just going to ask God to do what uh, is his will and uh, just to touch them. That's what we're... We're just praying for. It. So let's just do that this morning. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, as we anoint Brother Troy and Sister Connie with oil in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know that you are a healer today the same as you ever were, Lord. Your power is not diminished, Lord. And your ability to reach down and correct things within our bodies is not diminished at all. But, Lord, you are strong and you are great, Lord. And you are a healer today, Lord, in the same way that uh, you always have been. And by your stripes, Lord, we we believe, Lord, that we have a, a right to the promise, Lord. And we have access, Lord, into your grace this day. Father, we, we are not here to tell you what to do, Lord, but we're here to cast our cares upon you, and Lord, to present these needs in faith, and Lord, we're not, we're not uh, always understanding what an outcome may be, Lord, but we're just proceeding, Lord Jesus, based on your word and what you told us to do, and so, Father, we give them to you now today. We present them to you, and trust, O oh God, that you will come on the scene, Lord, in a special way. And Brother Troy suffers, Lord, and has suffered along with this condition, Lord, that he has and affects his, his uh, stomach, Lord, and with Sister Connie and her shoulder, Lord, and the trouble and the pain that she's suffered. Father, we curse those things in the name of Jesus and ask, Lord, that you would just move on their behalf and be strong, O God. And may you just bless them abundantly, Lord, and bring healing to their bodies. That's our prayer. That's our desire, Lord. And we come like the children of Israel did in the book of Judges, Lord. We come to church. We come in the sanctuary of God. And we come, Lord, offering these petitions. And we come presenting ourselves before you and asking, oh God, that you would just bring answers and deliverance, Lord, and bring healing and relief, we pray. That's our desire. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
1: Through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Will I learn to trust in God through it all? Through it all? Will I learn to depend upon His word? I've had many and sorrow I've had questions for tomorrow many times I didn't know right from wrong but in every situation he gave me blessed consolation that my trials all. Come to make me strong. Hallelujah. So through it all, oh through it all, well I've learned to trust in Jesus. Yes, I've learned to trust in God. Oh, through. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Well, I've been a lot of places, and I've seen a lot of faces. There were times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, oh, he's let me know that I have his own. I've learned to trust in Jesus, oh, I've learned to trust in God, with well, through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. in Jesus Oh, I've learned to trust in God Through it all Through it all I've learned to depend
6: upon His Word Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering this morning lord and father for the the words of truth that you've revealed to us lord and given to us today what great examples what great testimonies these believers had in the face of battles and deaths all around them lord jesus yet you were watching them even though lord they may not have been able to see you lord you were watching over them you are god alone and there's none like you and now in the name of jesus christ we commit these people in your hands lord we pray again for brother johnny and ask lord that you would just accompany him through this day lord and father his his every need lord the surgery tomorrow small or great you're still the great physician lord and we thank you dear god that we can turn to you and commit him into your hands lord i pray you just undertake for sister laura this week lord and and give her i pray the complete victory and overcoming lord of this condition that she has in her back and Lord we know that you're a healer and it doesn't matter where or when Lord you watch over us and we're so thankful for that for every need, for every concern and Lord the list is long but you're great and so Father we're, we're thankful Lord Jesus that we can turn to you bless the rest of our day now we pray in Jesus' lovely name and for your glory
1: Amen Oh you are God alone And from before time you came